All right, so I'm, uh, I'm uh, nervous and scared to do this Bible study. I have, I have heard all kinds of things about, uh, about this study that make me, that this is a, well, that's what I'm most afraid of. I can't just up here and say, uh, and talk out of my elbows. I hear this, uh, there's like 150 years worth of seminary studies just in this one room. I'm not talking about age, I'm talking about up here, you know. Um, so, I think it's on, all right, all right, all right. Uh, I'm going to say a couple of introductory things about myself. Uh, for those who don't know me, I am Pastor Witt. For those who know me, I'm Pastor Witt. Uh, <laughs> and man, this is not, not a stand-up, not a stand-up session, but who knows. Uh, so this is my, when did I get uh, ordained? On the 26th of August. So not yet a month in, but uh, we certainly feel at home, Milena and I. For those who got, uh, have not met Milena, my lovely wife, that's her over there. Uh, so say hello to her later. Um, so Milena and I got married, uh, well, we met forever ago. Uh, I'm from Brazil originally, Milena's from Brazil as well. I've been in the United States for 23 years. That's right, I came in 2000 as a 10-year-old, so you do the math. And Milena has only been in the U.S. for a couple of months, almost, almost three months, yeah. So we met in Brazil. I went to Brazil to, um, to do a exchange program with the seminary. Our seminaries in St. Louis and in Fort Wayne both have exchange programs uh, to different countries, Germany, England, uh, Brazil, at one time Korea, and so on and so forth. So I went back to Brazil for a year, and uh, that's where I met Milena. We're from the same hometown in Brazil. Our families know each other forever, and uh, so that's when we started chatting, and that's that's why we're here. So we've been engaged since January of 2021, and we got married in July of this year. Uh, July and August were very, very, very busy days, very busy months for us. Um, she just grad I just graduated college, not college, I graduated seminary 2022 officially, but I stayed uh, one more semester or year to continue my studies. Uh, I'm in the PhD program right now uh, doing historical theology, uh, Reformation studies. Milena just graduated her uh, university uh, in Brazil with her bachelor's in Brazilian oral Portuguese literature and, uh, and grammar and education. So that's very exciting. So a lot going on. Uh, I saw some people coming in. Um, I didn't make enough copies. You think that... Sorry. Yeah, two side, maybe about 10. See, I'm already starting off on the wrong foot. I do not. I have it all memorized. Uh, all right, so what are we doing here? Um, any questions about that or what we're doing or what we're going to do? Or We'll meet for however many sessions from now until... That was a very good answer, that's right. Um, and uh, I was given the task of teaching this study. So here at St. John, well, I guess to finish the story, 
here at St. John, I am a uh, halftime pastor because I'm doing that halftime, and I am doing my uh, graduate school halftime. So St. John was very, very, you guys, I can't say St. John, you all here, have been very generous and gracious to uh, allow me to do those two wonderful things. Um, so between seminary and college in Massachusetts, I taught high school for four years. I've always wanted to teach. I've always liked teaching. Teaching has always been one of my favorite things to do. So this year, I'm in my zone. I love, 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 love being so. I was not nervous about teaching. I was nervous whom I was teaching. So, nah, yeah. Uh, so again, very happy to be here. Um, my second year of seminary, I went, I was talking at a coffee uh, um, time before or after chapel at the seminary. And the seminary president said, hey, I'm going to Brazil to teach a graduate course there for two weeks. And I jokingly said to him, um, hey, you don't speak any Portuguese. I'll go with you and be your translator. And then I didn't know him very well. You know, you're sort of a new student. A couple weeks later, he comes up to me and says, Alvaro, did you uh, talk to my secretary about getting you a ticket to go to Brazil with me? And I said, I thought I was joking. He's like, no, 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 you're going. So I get on a plane and end up at the Brazilian seminary uh, in southern Brazil. And that's where he taught First Peter uh, as a graduate intensive course for these students in Brazil in the graduate program there. Um, and just listening to First Peter being spoken of and dug into and pulled apart, uh, I immediately fell in love with this letter. Um, I still go back to it, so I think that was in 2018. Um, that I went down, and so uh, years later, I still consider First Peter uh, one of my favorite parts of Scripture. If not, not, I'm not going to judge Scripture in that sense, but First um, Peter, I hold it very near and dear. I love uh, how it's constructed. I love what it says, and uh, so when I came to being offered this uh, study opportunity, I said, "Well." How about First Peter? So I've played with First Peter quite a bit uh, when it comes to uh, vicarage, uh, and then just in devotions and reading and reading and reading. So First Peter is something that I'm very, very I'm not going to say passionate about. It's something that I really, really love. Um, I want to ask this group about anything that you know about. First Peter. Anything. Anything that comes up. Uh, a lot of, I'll give this disclaimer, a lot of phrases that we use in the church come from First Peter, even though we might not even know that uh, this phrase isn't, these Bible verses come from First Peter. Anybody know any off the top of their head? It's not a test, but yeah, Holly? Uh, is it First Peter 3? I'm not sure if it's First Peter, but uh, about Noah. What's the famous phrase for a million dollars? Uh, you can save 
close. Baptism now. You know, Noah, what happened to Noah? And all that saved him. But now, baptism saves you. Yeah, right. Um, there will be a baptism the day after tomorrow. And if you listen at the 8.30 service, you will hear that exact same phrase being spoken from First Peter. Yeah. yeah. I was going to mention that I had a lot of notes on it, but uh, I have First and Second Peter are actually baptismal sermons. First and Second Peter. Oh, you're diving into it. No pun intended. Uh, baptismal sermons. Yeah. Um, we're going to talk about what that means. Yeah. And uh, why Peter, why First Peter specifically, is different, for example, than Galatians or Ephesians or Philippians. Uh, so it's still in the letter category, in the epistle category, but how uh, this letter is different from the other uh, epistles that we have. Martha? I had a note from having studied this before, and I couldn't tell you what they are, but my note is, and it was from one of the pastors here, there are 57 words in 1 Peter that are used nowhere else in the Bible. Oh, yeah. That's a, that's a quiz for you. That's right. I better, I better talk to the current and former pastors of this congregation to see what those 57 are. Uh, unique words. Well, I'll, uh, I'll, just, I'll just press on that. Uh, most of the, uh, let's actually talk about the New Testament. Most of the New Testament epistles are written by whom? Paul, right? So, of course, there's this con there, there are the words in the Pauline epistles that, well, there's a specific writing style. Not all of the Pauline epistles are of the exact same writing style, just like us. When we're writing on Facebook, we write one way. When we're writing a letter, we write another. When we're writing a document, we write another. Um, but, you know, in Paul, you can sort of see some patterns, uh, but Peter, it's a curveball, right? It's another author, it's another person. Uh, yeah, unique words in Peter. Yes? Um, thinking of other things about First Peter, doesn't he write to a persecuted church, and doesn't he talk about the like, devil prowls around like the roaring lions? Oh, yeah, man, that's lovely, yeah. Um, the roaring lion seeking to devour, I think. Uh, yeah, that's all the way at the end. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's awesome. Anything else? Any other phrases in First Peter? We... Living hope. Yeah, that's right. Uh-huh. That's in there. Um, okay, if we don't have any more, do we have any more? Any more? Anybody? Uh, I'll throw out one of mine. Uh, my favorite, one of my favorite Bible verses ever is from 1 Peter. Uh, I'll let you finish it. Proclaim the excellencies of Him who called you into His marvelous light. This is so wonderful. It's just so wonderful. I love 1 Peter. So, um, there are dozens of ways to go into 1 Peter. What lenses we're using, um, because one of the lenses we could use is a baptismal sermon. Let's look at the, uh, through this lens. So we're going to look at the lens of everything here that talks about the Christian faith and catechesis 
and the Christian life. Let's look at it this way. Uh, or we can look at it in a persecuted church lens of saying, okay, let's see what he's saying specifically for persecuted Christians. So there are a lot of lenses that could make 15 commentaries, you know, just based on these lenses. I've chosen a, uh, a lens that is one that was inspired by this trip to Brazil. And it is about how Peter talks about Christians living as, as Peter himself puts it in his first words, exiles and foreigners, the elect, in the diaspora or the dispersion. Uh, and what if that really is just for those people 2,000 years ago, or it actually has anything to do with us? Are we exiles? Are we, or are we home? Can we say today, saying, no, this is home. This is where Jesus put me to live. And there's no better place than right now. There's not going to be after or before. Is that what the Bible says? Or is that what Peter's saying? I don't think so. So he's talking about this exile uh, that people are in. And he's using Old Testament language, of course. We all know about the Babylonian exile. Um, but why is he talking about exile to these people? Again, is it specific to them? Is it to us? So how is a church in exile supposed to live? Um, so that's the lens that I want to have. I don't know what the description anymore was that I put on this, about this class. Uh, if anybody memorized it, it probably has something to do with that. But about the 21st century, how is the church in the 21st century at all relevant to what Peter is writing to? I'm going to erase this really quickly. And I just want to do some basic... Um, this is like uh, easy-peasy stuff. Uh, letter or epistle... So in your Bible studies, you're just listening to the epistles uh, in church, uh, specifically Paul, Peter. Who else has epistles in the Bible? Just throw out names. John, right? One, two, three, John. James, that's right. Uh, that's right. Say again. Mr. Unknown. Hey, that's, that's just between you and... Yeah, that's right. That's right. That's right. Who wrote Hebrews? We'll find out sometime. What's the purpose of epistles? What's the purpose of a letter? It's not different then than it is today. What the basic thing of letter is to do what? Inform. inform. Communicate. Inform. Yeah. This sounds, this will, it seems very basic, and I know you're much, much smarter than this. I know. But I'm leading up to something that I want you to walk with me. What does, so like, you know, we're Lutherans, and so Lutherans hold up uh, because of the Reformation, Galatians and Ephesians and all these letters that talk about something specific. Uh, and what is that, not what is that something, but what are a lot of the epistles that we focus on talk about? What? Okay, faith. Why would they talk about that? Why would Paul, well, we're going to go right to Paul because it's him. So why would Paul be talking about that? People are trying to figure things out. Exactly, right? So it is in informing. It is... Structure? Yeah. Uh, structure of what? 
Now I'm going to use fancy words here. Structure of what? Their salvation. salvation. Think broader. What they believe. What's the fancy word? Theology and doctrine. That's right. Structure of doctrine. Right? If you read the first uh, paragraph of Ephesians, for example, it's like heavy duty. This is how God chooses you to be His. And it's like, wow. You know, you gotta, or if you read Hebrews, man, you got to parse. Oh, there's a lot going on here. You got to all make all these connections. Um, or Romans. Man, Romans. Yeah. These guys, uh, not systematizing, but almost like systematizing theology. This is how it works. Boom, 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 boom. Um, and you see that in a lot of Pauline letters. Because this is what these people need. These people need this theology to be given to them in this way because they're learning. They need these structures. Structure of doctrine. Theology. Another letter that we have, for example, the letter to Philemon. Right? Shortest book in the New Testament. What's the purpose of that? Do you remember? For a slave to be yeah. Is there much structure of doctrine in that letter? No. There's a lot of really good stuff. Word of God. But we're not necessarily going to read it to figure out how God is choosing people to be His own. Right? We're not going to read it for the doctrine of justification. So it's just... Uh, 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 um, instruction in a way but to a very specific person um, what else does Paul do in some of his letters that's very very personal correct that's right correct yeah an example of that Thessalonians he tells his, he tells the church that they have to actually do something they can't lay around and just wait for the resurrection yeah so yeah or even closer, even more minute, he talks to specific people. Hey, that person who's doing that over there, tell them to stop. <laughs> right? He does that. Right? That, that guy who's like sleeping with his mother-in-law, it's in there. Right? Tell him to cut it out. Right? So can that letter be sent to just any congregation? You know, so we have it. And we learn from it because then we're like, well, then I shouldn't probably be saying that. But it's very specific. It's to this church where that's going on. First Peter's different than it has some of this. There's some of this. But there isn't a crazy amount of that. There isn't the specific, hey, you do this. Specifically, you're doing this wrong, correct this. Peter, First uh, uh, Peter is a type of letter that has a, uh, and again, you probably, this is old news to all of you, but I'll still write it. Um, a circular letter. What does that mean? It's coming to the same point. Well, well, that's, yeah, it circulates. So, it, yeah, circular could mean because he does. One of those points, yes, he does. There's one word that keeps coming back. But it means, hey, 
You got this. As soon as you're done, make a copy of it and send it to that table. You guys make a copy of it as soon as you're done. Or memorize it and send it to that table and that table and that table. And we have that right in the beginning. Right in the beginning, you have it's to this church and this church and this church and this church. And keep it going if you can. Right. It's spoken to or written for, but where does this begin and how is this moving along? How, how is this circular circulation? Right. So at the end, at the very end, I don't want to give away any spoilers. Uh, at the very end, it says, um, you know, very one of the very last verses uh, in chapter 5. By Silvanus, or Silas, a faithful brother, he's the one actually writing this as Peter's speaking this to him. Um, I have briefly uh, written briefly to you, exhorting and declaring that this is the true grace. Stand firm in it. Um, she who is at Babylon, who likewise is chosen, sends greetings, and so does Mark, my son. Greet one another with a kiss of love. Peace. wasn't in there. I thought it was in there. But it's this idea of, here's my greeting, and this is what I'm sending the greeting but with this first person, who's the letters arriving with this first person, and then maybe even that person will just sit with those Christians for a week, and let's talk about what's going on here, and then he'll move on to the next table. Then he'll sit with those Christians for a week, and then he'll move on to the next table. Uh, I don't know if that answered your questions, Holly, uh, but um, yeah, it's this. So when we go to the very first verse, Let's look at this. Let's try to follow this, actually. Let's look at this now. One of the first words that he uses is exiles, and that's in verse 1. In chapter 2, I put 2.11 there in the sheet. He uses that again. I urge you as sojourners and exiles. See, Marilyn, you could say, hey, the guy, he's already said this. Why is he saying this again? Right? Uh, so I wrote, what are other words for sojourner in this? Pilgrim. That's a good word. Yeah. Say again. Stranger. Stranger. That's right. Yeah. Sojourner. Pilgrim. Stranger. In a certain way, I would say like exiles are already in one place. And I would say sojourner is the guy maybe on his way to somewhere. Yeah, right. Say again. Migrants. That could, that could fit foreigners. Uh, if you're going through the uh, U.S. immigration system, I don't recommend it. Uh, <laughs> they use the word alien, right? Because it just means... Alien, I think it comes from the Greek uh, xenos, right? Foreigner. And, um, so, why is Peter calling these people sojourners in point B there? Well, partly it goes back to the Old Testament because they use that same combination. Yeah. I think with Abraham, the first name was so. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Uh, yeah, uh, um, she said that this goes back almost to the Old Testament where Abraham specifically gets called a sojourner, right? Because Abraham doesn't, when God calls Abram, you know, he's wandering around, 
He doesn't have this one place. That's why this promise to him of the land of milk and honey, the promise, that's why it's such a big deal because this guy's just sort of wandering around, being taken care of by God, but just looking for a place. Holly? Um, also, he directs the Jews and their temple is destroyed, so now they are pulled out Right, 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 right. So Peter's writing these people as sojourners. He's calling these people sojourners because they, well, they kind of literally are. Uh, specifically if they're Jews, because Jews are, where's, their, where's the promised land? You said uh, uh, Abraham's looking for a promised land. And where's that for Jews? Yeah, Israel, Jerusalem. Now there's no temple, right? The Romans came in, destroyed the temple, and it's supposed to be like this is, where God dwells in this temple for Jews, and now there's no dwelling place of God after the temple is destroyed. Now what? You know? Uh, yes? So if you, if I really, like, I don't talk about part B, but if I take the first part to God's elect, strangers in the world, it makes me think of in the world versus of the world. All <laughs> these strangers in this world because our home our world. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and that, what you just said, is the lens which I'm going to look through. If we are strangers in this world and exiles and in the dispersion or diaspora, how are we to live? Are we to live in a huddle? Just waiting for him to come back? Are we to say, hey, he's taken so long, let's just live like everybody else? Or is there kind of a middle ground in between, hey, let's just sit down and just wait and just hunker down? Uh, or is there a way for us to live as Christians in the world? And I think that's one of the very, very, very central points of Peter, of 1 Peter is how we can, as exiles, actually live in the world. Um, go ahead. Um, I was wondering if you can kind of differentiate like where it says in the text exiles, and we're talking about the word sojourner. Um, sojourner to me seems like a choice, whereas exile seems like something that has been exiled by someone. Right. Okay. Wait, which... I guess which is it? It does say elect. It does say both, right? So, in in verse one, Peter says the elect exiles, and then in two eleven, he says, "I urge you as sojourners." So Peter uses these words, right? I'm not I'm not the one choosing one over the other. He's the one that's using both of these. He's moving them. Yes. My Bible doesn't say that. Oh, go ahead. Aliens. Aliens. That's right. Aliens are is the same as sojourners in the beginning or verse 11? That's verse 11. That's right. Yeah. Sojourners. Aliens. Yeah. Aliens and strangers. Also gives the sense of being different. Different. All around you. That's right. You know who else was different? You made the point before I got to it, but Abraham, right? So here's this guy chosen, different than everybody else now, because now he's this different person. 
than he was. But he looks just like everybody else. He looks like everybody else. He breathes just like everybody else. He eats like everybody else. But there's a fundamental difference now between these people and everybody else. It's a two-way difference for any people that have moved around a lot. You get into a different tradition. Mm -hmm. And you have no idea what the company is. Hey man, talk to me, Lana. <laughs> yeah? Or, or, and, you know, you, you don't know how to do that? Yeah, right. Why don't you do that? Yeah. yeah. Right. I mean, there, it's, there, there's a sense of difference if you are exiled or sojourned. Yeah. Yeah. Or a refugee or. Yeah, yeah, right. That's those are good points for us to keep in mind as we read this as we read this letter. Is he talking about only exiles physically? Or is he also talking about now exiles spiritually? I am not just different in the because I'm a Jew that's now living in modern-day Turkey and not in Israel, or am I now a Jewish Christian who's living among these people who aren't Jewish, who aren't Jewish or even Christian? Um, so exile in both of those ways too, not just physically, but also now spiritually and religiously. Um, How's the church sojourning in point D, I said. Um, in church hymnody, the term pilgrim, sojourner, wanderer are often associated with struggle and suffering. Um, as we sing uh, in church, keep your, in these last, in these next few months that we're studying, keep your ear out for this, for these words, pilgrim and sojourner, wanderer. Uh, I put two hymns down that I'm very familiar with. Uh, and how does it talk about sojourning and wandering? And how has church hymnody picked up on this from Scripture? The first one is uh, from Isaac Watts. Uh, God of my life, look gently down. Behold the pains I feel. But I am numb before thy throne, nor dare thy uh, dispute thy will. I'm a sojourner, I'm but a sojourner below as all my fathers were. May I be well prepared to go when I have the summons here. And then the uh, second one. Dark and thorny is the desert through which pilgrims make their way, but beyond this veil of sorrow is a land of perfect day. Tired and thirsty are the pilgrims as they cross the burning sand, but the master walks beside them till they reach the heavenly land. What is the common theme in the life of a sojourner, and how do we expect Peter to address this in his letter? Carol started answering that question. What's common among sojourners, and how would we expect Peter to talk? How would we expect Peter to talk about it? Seems like they suffer. Suffers a big petrine word. Suffering. Yeah. Um, what else? They feel out of place. Out of place, yeah. Carol uh, started talking about that, yeah. 
Uh, so what kind of, how do we expect Peter to address this in his letter? What would we expect him to say? Well, he could say, fit in. <laughs> oh, that's right. Yeah. Probably want to know how to do that. Yeah, right. More like stick out more. Or stick out. Well, yeah. What's all this suffering for? What's all this for? Yeah. Why? What good? When's it going to end? <sighs> yeah, all of that will come up in this letter. Very short letter, five chapters. Um, all that's going to come up. So let's jump into just some basic stuff on point two there. Basic stuff, basic, almost Sunday school like stuff. I'm not going to uh, make a, uh, what do you call it, an uh, advertisement here for this little book, but I like it a lot. It's uh, a Crossway uh, publishes this. You may be seeing it around. It's just the Bible, uh, but split up into like little notebooks. So it's the text on one side and then uh, a plain page on the other. So for example, because these letters are so short, this one... This one is First, Second Peter, and Jude all together. I think the set itself is uh, not cheap, um, like the set of the entire Bible. Uh, but this is uh, this is pretty cheap. It comes in this color, and it comes in a green, and the green has a green. Well, I I like the image. I like this one because of the lines. But the other one is supposed to be more artsy. So it's like the German notebooks where instead of lines, it's uh, like dots. Uh, and it has like a shepherd carrying a sheep and gold and stuff like that. Say again? Crossway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So just down the street. I didn't buy this down the street. I bought this on Amazon. But I do like it. I do like it because it, there's just more room to write. Um, uh, and I know a lot of us like to underline and write and sometimes our margins aren't big enough so I like this and it's the ESV I'm going to be using the ESV uh, you can use the ESV or not but that's what I'll be using uh, to quote here um, so let's talk about Peter we've been hearing a lot about Peter uh, these last few weeks in our sermons and in the gospels who is this guy um, his family, let's just say, because when we talk about who we are sometimes, we talk about who we are, where we were born, our family. So who's Peter? What's his, uh, what's his deal? Right? He has a dad. <laughs> Jonah, that's right. Today, the church commemorates Jonah. If you follow St. John on Instagram or Facebook, Anna reminded us today that we, uh, the church today commemorates Jonah, but it's not Peter's dad. It's, uh, the fish guy. Um, Jonah, uh, what else about his family? He was originally Simon. He was Simon. Simon, and his middle name was Bar. That's a joke. No, <laughs> son of Simon Bar Jonah. No, and what else about him? His fam actual family, like personal stuff. He has a brother, and his name is Andrew. What else do we know about his family? He was married. Um, 
This is, uh, and so he has a mother-in-law, of course. So she comes up. Um, yeah, this is more or less what we know about Peter and his family, is brr, these things. Uh, what else do we know about his personal life? We know quite a bit about him compared to other people in the, in the New Testament. Fisherman? Professional fisherman, right? Like, this is how I live. I know exactly, I know this. This is the only thing I do. This is how we make our money. This is what my brother and me and my dad have done. This is probably my grandfather maybe did already. So this guy fished. Who, well, right, so I already said his brother and his dad were involved in this. Um, people he knew. There would be a good chance that he knew some other people in the Bible before Jesus came around. Who? Did he tell James and John? There's a chance that, yeah, there's a chance that he knew uh, James and John. Maybe they were friends. Maybe they were rivals in terms of a competitive, you know, business, all that stuff. But he was older than that. Peter was older. Ah. And that's how he's depicted, too. Now that I know that I can use all these fancy screens, I'll bring in pictures of uh, Peter that uh, were taken 2,000 years ago. How people depict Peter, you know, in paintings and stuff like that, as opposed to John. John and Peter are very different in, their, in how they're depicted classically in, uh, in the icons and in um, just paintings in general. Yeah. We know the years when they were born. How do we know Peter's so old? Uh, how do we know Peter was so old? Um, Some artists came up with this. No, so uh, we use for example, um, one of the things we use is this. He's aged to be married. And another thing we use is how long John lived. So, right, John lived a very long time and died of old age, right? The only apostle that died of old age is John in Patmos. So like, well, John lived all this time. And um, so he must have been very young when Jesus called him. Peter, on the other hand, was or had been married already by the time Jesus called him. So they're just, we're doing the math based on sort of these uh, things. That's a very good question. How do we know? We don't have a date. Yeah, Holly? Well, in order to be married, they had to be, like, kind of old, too. At least... 30? I mean... Oh, I would say younger than that. Yeah, I mean, I would say... Yeah, I would say 18, 19 or so, something like that. I don't want to get into the weeds here of the difference between how we view Peter and how um, the Catholic Church views Peter. Not doctrinally speaking, but in this sense. We believe that Jesus called a lot of men, and some were married, and some were not. And how do we know? Well, there's Peter and his mother-in-law. The Catholic Church, there's some Catholic teachings that say that Peter was no longer married by this time because his wife had died, right? Because, so it's like, well, Scripture doesn't say that. But, so that's one of the things. You might hear that, you might not, and that's for them to defend, of course, celibacy in priests. So, I mean... Doesn't Paul say something about a wife, and I don't get the same privileges of traveling with my wife like Peter does? 
Right. Well, I'm not sure who says that exactly. She said that Paul might have said something like, I don't have the same privilege of traveling with my wife as Peter does. But I don't, I don't remember. Maybe. Let's check on that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So anyway, that's just a little factoid of what different churches think about Peter's marriage or not marriage at the time that Jesus called him from being a fisherman to following him. Okay, so that's about Peter's personal, like very, very personal life without Jesus, right? I mean, he's still son of Jonah before Jesus came around, still brother, married, knew James and John, there's a chance, he's still a fisherman. What happens to him post Jesus, and a lot of it happens, and we heard some of it already uh, in church these last um, few weeks. Big events, right? Let's see here. Calling. So we talked about that, right? He was in the sea. How's he called? There's a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful event that happens in Peter's life um, that one of the Gospels describes it about the calling. No blanking on which gospel it is. He was in a boat. So uh, uh, Mark has it in chapter 1. But it might be Matthew. Let me see here. Yeah, so Matthew chapter 4 has him calling Simon and Andrew. And they left their nets immediately. And, uh, and then they saw the sons of Zebedee, John and James. And that's in um, that's Matthew. Mark has something similar in chapter 1, passing alongside the sea. Jesus saw Simon and Andrew. Follow me, I'll make you fishers of men. Uh, and then again, he saw uh, Simon, I mean, uh, the sons of Zebedee. But I did want... Right, it's in Luke's Gospel. I'm sorry for it to have taken so long. Luke chapter 5 is very good when it comes to the calling Peter. Peter's out there fishing. They catch nothing. Jesus comes by and says, Hey, put out the net a little over there. And Peter says, what are you talking about? We've been here all day, all night. You don't look like a fisherman. You don't talk like a fisherman. If you were a fisherman, you'd be out on the boat right now. And you're telling us, hey, throw the net over there. And when they had done this, they had ca caught such a large number of fish that their nets were breaking. So I'm reading right now uh, Luke 5, verse 7. They signaled their partners on the other boat to help. Uh, because they began to sink. Is this the first time we hear about Peter and the word sinking? <laughs> Think about it. When Simon Peter saw it, he fell down in Jesus' knees. And maybe this is the first time that he, in a way, put his foot in his mouth. And he says, You, Jesus, depart from me because I am a sinful man. Oh Lord. So instead of saying to Jesus, I'm not worried that it'll be in your presence, I'll leave. He says to Jesus, Depart from me, because I'm so sinful. I can't have you here. 
So it's an interesting, it's one of the, it's the first thing Peter ever says in the Bible that we have is, uh, is that right there. Um, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. They were all astonished. And also James and John were there, and they were partners with Simon. So right here, she says they're partners. And Jesus says, do not be afraid. From now on, you will be catching men. And they brought their boats to land, and they left everything to follow him. This is wonderful. This is the beginning of Peter's relationship with Jesus, this calling. Come. So Luke is the one who describes to us the whole fishing event. Peter sinking. Won't be the first time, as I said before, but it won't be the second time. And there won't, you know, because we have plenty of times where there's this whole sinking. Uh, Peter in sinking. There's that. And of course, physically in the water, where he's walking on the water, he starts to sink. But then there are the boats, right? Jesus, do you not care for us? We're sinking. All right, all these. So, um, discipleship and apostleship, I write here. Um, let's go with discipleship. What does he see in his life as a disciple? Just major things. Can be actually not major, little or big. What does Peter actually get specifically involved with in Jesus' life? Miracles. Any specific ones? that you'd like to mention? The mother-in-law miracle, that's an early one, yeah? The raising, that's right, uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, there's a good chance that he's there, uh-huh. The transfiguration, yeah. That's a big one. Um, what else? He was close by. Oh, say again. Gethsemane. Gethsemane, yeah. He was there in the beginning and he was there sort of at the end. Uh, it was something I have not admitted to this group yet is that I have uh, self diagnosed dyslexia. And I, uh, I turn my letters around sometimes, and, uh, or don't even write a letter that's supposed to be there. So forgive me in that sense. Uh, I, honestly, I have always done this. Uh, the youth group, not the youth group, but the uh, high schoolers have been putting up with it. They've been very nice on correcting me. Uh, and I hope you will too. Uh, yeah, hey man, it's only, they, they want my best. Uh, so Gethsemane, what else, what else, what else, what are, what are like uh, Peter saying maybe things he shouldn't have or saying things he should have? What are we talking about, Jesus? I don't know. Everybody, in, imagine everybody in Jerusalem who knows, Je like knows who Jesus is at that point, everybody, because they've seen all this and then they come up to, hey, do you know, who? You know, yeah, the betrayal. Uh, yeah, so uh, uh, I'm gonna get I'm gonna write this here because it's close to this event. This and this and what other event happened around this right here? Who do people say that I am? Uh-huh, keep going. And he says you were the Christ 
the Christ, the Son of the living God. Imagine how proud he must have been by saying that, right? These are strong words. You are the Christ. You're the guy who called me from my boat. And you are the Christ. But then right after, that's right. So what does he get called? No, no, not that one. Hold on, give me a second. Oh, Right, okay, sorry, I didn't hear. That's exactly right. Yeah, the rock. Um, How do you say rock in Latin? Rock. Petro, that's right. Yeah. So, uh, Petro, or Petrus. Yeah, so Petra, that's right. So it's not a coincidence. Rock, Peter, Petrus. <gasps> that's right, man. So Peter is at the, and that's in John. John is the only one that records that, uh, that scene. Everybody's together. All of Jesus' best friends are together at the Last Supper. After they're, uh, uh, before, usually. You get the washing, right? Make sure you're clean to eat. So Jesus starts taking off his outer garment because he's going to get wet to wash everybody else's feet, right? So he gets down, and Peter's like, what's this guy doing? He's crazy. Don't wash my feet. You're Jesus. And Jesus says, man, if I don't wash you, you know, you're out. And Jesus then and then Peter says, what? Wash all the Why? Not my, hey man, if you want to wash, then wash. You know, yeah, so again, he comes, he comes with that, yeah. Um, and what, uh, the, the last time we hear, one of the last times we hear about Peter and uh, Jesus is a tremendously emotion-filled interaction. After the resurrection. So after the resurrection, what's going on? What is Peter doing? Well, what is Peter doing? All the way to the beginning to what Peter knows best, right? He's fishing. Jesus shows up. He says, hey, let's have breakfast. And he says, what does Jesus ask him? This little discussion about do you love me? Do you love me? Of course I do. Of course I do. Right. Right? It's this, do you love me? Do you love do you love me? I don't know him. I don't know that guy. What are you talking about? Three and three, right? And again, I know you all know that. This is, uh, this is great stuff. Uh, this is how God is choosing to reveal himself and reveal how wonderful he is in calling back sinners, right? Peter is now crying. Man. This guy really wants me to do his will. He's coming back, making breakfast for me, and there's a lot of exciting things for me to do. In Acts, we hear of Peter again. Peter becomes a big deal in... He preaches the Pentecostal sermon. That's right. Peter at Pentecost is wonderful. That's right. And then he, he's a big deal in the church, right? He, uh, in terms of being a pastor, he's in Rome. 
He, um, people listen to what he has to say. And then in Acts, we start hearing more of Paul, right? Paul comes in, and now the story is mostly about where he, where Paul, takes the gospel. So then we start hearing less of Peter. Well, do we hear, we do hear some. Paul and Peter's relationship, what happens there? Yeah, that's one of the last times we really hear of Peter is, uh, is, the, is, is, is that. So Paul and Peter, one is said to be the disciples of whom? The Jews. And the other one, the Gentiles. Right? Anybody know which is which? And Paul's the Gentiles, right. Peter is changing the way that he does things depending on what group he's with. He's with Jews. He's with Gentiles. And then Paul looks at this and says, hey man, what are you doing? Cut that out. You know, and, uh, and there was a disagreement between the two of them. But Peter's like, no, no, no. Actually, you're right. So Peter hears and is uh, corrected, rightfully so, uh, for what he was doing. Um, Peter's also one who had a dream. What, what was his dream all about? Meat. 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 <laughs> yeah, oh no, no, yeah, 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 I heard you. Oh, I thought you said, I thought you thought I said meat. No. <laughs> uh, so what's the, what's the famous line in that dream? Yeah, kill and eat, right? Declaring uh, that we can do that too. Um, we are coming to the end, but this is what I was expecting. I was not expecting us to go through this, so keep this. Uh, what I want to say is that uh, I want you to keep all of this in mind and start looking at the first chapter, if you can. If not the first chapter, the first half of the first chapter, because there's so much in that beginning. Um, and one of the things that I think is important for me to say about 1 Peter before we go is um, there's a lot of instruction for Christian living rather than this is how you are saved by faith through Jesus. You know what I'm saying? So, what I mean by that is Peter is not trying to convert you to be a Christian in his letter. He is assuming that the people who are reading this are Christian, right? Sort of like when Jesus says, when you pray, when you fast. Well, people are praying. People are fasting. These are Christians. I thought he just said he, was, he preached to the Jews. Right. But uh, there's very good evidence that these are former Jews, right? Jews uh, like... Um, uh, 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 by blood or original religion who are now Christian. Uh, converted Jews, let's say it that way. Not Gentiles, not Greeks, not Romans, but uh, folks who are uh, of Jewish lineage. There's good evidence there. Say that? Exactly, they knew the law very well. Yeah, 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 yeah. Now, yeah, right, 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 right. Yeah. Thank you. I had a lot of fun. This is a lot of introductory stuff. So I know that you guys know a lot of this, uh, but 
uh, it's, we're starting and we're reviewing, and it's Peter, and it's fun, and it's first Peter, and it's fun. Um, so, any questions before we pray and we go? Man, this is wonderful. Look at, oh, so many people here. I love this. No, no, no. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Let us pray and let us go. Lord, remember us in your kingdom and teach us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen.